0: That's what I'm gonna say. That's it.
1: Yeah, whenever you're ready, you That's can. That's what uh, y'all want me to say. Yeah, what are you gonna say?
0: Um. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, the chill show. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. Yeah. Cool. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I seen that
1: you
2: did jazz. Yeah, I studied jazz voice at Howard. Um, it was fun times, actually. Um, in two thousand one. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, and where are you guys at? Are? are you guys in college, too? Um, no, yes. I'm not in college right uh,
1: East Charlesville University. East Strasbourg. Right? Yeah, I'm enrolling in CCP uh, next fall. Okay. I took a couple, like, gap years off from high school. But I mean, sometimes I think that might be the best choice. I mean,
2: it's easy to, I mean, it's way less expensive to get a, uh, an associate's degree.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, than
2: a uh, transfer, if you want. Yeah, I have an uh, associate's degree, too. Have you looked into trying to, I mean, are you doing well? Or are well you looking away? to do it soon?
1: Why going to um, CCP? CCP yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm going to enroll uh, next fall semester for mm-hmm. uh, computer science or mathematics. I don't know which one I'm a major in, mm-hmm. but yeah, one of those.
2: Well, join as many organizations as possible. Um, I have a, I'm a part of a national honor society for community colleges. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's called Phi Theta Kappa. So when you go there, make sure that you uh, definitely um, join as many organizations while you are at the community college because okay. it definitely help
1: you out in the long run. All right, so whenever you're ready, you can, uh, yeah. can begin. Mm-hmm. Sure world. All right. Alrighty? Yeah. You can't hear? No, you They're can. most likely broken, but...
0: No, I can hear. I was asking, do you need headphones or anything? I only
1: have three. All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> because my other one's broke. Yeah, you want him mm-hmm. have If you want to use, you want to use his headphones? Yeah. You're like I, the main guest here. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, yeah. right. Thank you. No problem. Everything's good. Okay, this is the Podcast and Chill Show, a very special episode right now. We have a very important guest. We have Mr. Alex Deering, uh, running for the 181st Legislative District in, uh, for North Philadelphia, correct? Yes. Well, yeah, could you explain a little bit about yourself or our, our audience who may not know you or like new to politics? Just tell a little about yourself.
2: Okay, well, I'm Alex Deering, and um, I am running for the 181st District, uh, which encompasses North Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Temple University is right in the heart of the district. Um, it, it's, a, it's a cool uh, position to be in. Um, I've been doing this work for a really long time and kind of been planning um, to really try to do public service in a big way yes. for a while. Um, I started out um, working for the Children's Defense Fund. Um, They placed me in a detention center, and um, I realized a couple of things about in the detention center was that one, that it was ninety nine percent African American, and two, uh, it was ninety nine percent African American and one percent other. And two, a lot of those young people um, had a lot of potential to do really cool things. They just hadn't had the opportunities that I did. Uh, so I kind of spun into uh, policy, working for the Chancellor's Office for D.C. Public Schools and um, kind of working um, for third and fourth graders at uh, for an after-school program, which was absolutely amazing because I love third and fourth graders. It's eight nine-year-olds, and they love you. Um, I went back to school, uh, to community college, and uh-huh. got an associate's degree, and then moved to Philadelphia to go to Temple University where uh-huh. I studied political science. Um, uh-huh. My honors was economics and Uh, I was seeking a certification in political economies, so um, that was just kind of my path. I ran for committee person. I got caught up with uh, John Street. He told me to just jump in and do what you can do, and I did, and then I ran, and I won. And I've just been doing community work and working for campaigns all around the city. Um, I've worked on every level of government, Um, and so just now I'm trying to take the, the advocacy to the next level. Um trying to run for the one J first district so when I win I think that I'll be able to do a lot of cool things and then I can come back on your show and talk about how
1: it was. Yeah, you can yeah. you know celebrate with us? He said when you yeah, win so he's making a promise right now. Yes. <laughs> so yeah uh, you said that you like you uh, mentored or something with third or fourth graders or you like helped them or something. Did you have any like plans of being a teacher and you just switched over to politics? Or was that something
2: yeah, so I was along on the, the path? The classroom, um, I worked with the Children's Defense Fund. They have a freedom schools program where they uh, bring college students from all over the United States to a farm in Knoxville. Mm-hmm. Knoxville. Um, I don't even want to say the wrong person's name, but I think it's um, Arthur Ashe's farm. Um, He had a a huge farm out in the middle of Knoxville, and so you have all these people who are from across the country coming into one place. And the Freedom School curriculum is really cool. We learn through chants and cheers. um, It's very based in African um, culture. Um, It's actually uh, the modern-day SNCC. Um, back in the, during the civil rights movement, um, people were trained to send to to the South to teach uh, young people how to read African American Mm -hmm. children. And so that Freedom Summer movement actually evolved into what we have now, which is Freedom Schools, um, which is a part of the Children's Defense Fund. And so they bring a whole bunch of college students together. We get out there, we do cheers and chants. I got a chance to see Kirk Franklin there. Um, Several other people come through and they just kind of encourage us and and you know, try to excite us, and we go through classes. It's it's an amazing experience. Um, you can Google it if you want to. Just uh, Google Freedom Schools. Freedom Schools, and you'll okay. see them out there doing cheers and chants and doing all types of cool things. When they're training us, it's a really intense week-long program. And I made a lot of great friends inside that program, and so that's kind of what drove that passion inside of me, and um, it just it's taken me and brought me to this place. All right, it's great screen here.
1: So um. That was a little introduction to Alex Daring, but we also have mm-hmm. filling co-hosts. So I forgot to introduce them as well. Uh, Tyrone, you want to go again? He was a previous guest, so you can introduce yourself again. i Tyrone Norwood. Uh-huh. Um, so I got a
0: little cool, um, Funny time, actually, but yeah, Tyrone Norwood is it. co-hosts. I'm,
1: in. Um, and, uh, um,
0: I'm Harry. I'm Alexander. I'm also a co-host.
3: You can follow me on Instagram at Harry Knox.
1: Underscore. Harry Knox. So you said you're in a graphic art, right? No, I'm a... Designing a designer. 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 Okay.
0: Um, you said political science. What's, what was your concentration? I'm actually a political science major myself. So, uh,
2: the way Temple does it is is that you can major in political science, but you have to minor in something. Okay. And so, my minor was in economics, okay. and I was seeking a certification in political economies. All right. Um, economics is a really cool thing to know if you're going to be a politician because yeah. I mean, it's kind of a hot topic now, you know, coming out of the recession. Um, I, I remember the recession actually very vividly, um, because I was becoming an adult, um, when the recession happened. And so, you know, a lot of responsibilities, not necessarily. Well, I mean, I was starting to begin to take on those, you know, I had my first apartment. um, you know I was getting my first job like really starting to like you Even know the world. live and then all of yeah. a sudden the economy collapses mm-hmm. and I lose my apartment I lose my job yeah. I lose everything I owned and you know sometimes when you lose your job and you go through weird situations you kind of think it's your fault you know there's something yeah. wrong with you that you're not doing I mean I, a lot of my friends around me Um, were losing the places that they were buying their houses and Mm -hmm. stuff like that yeah like one of my friends had just bought a condo we were talking about that last night he had just (laughs) bought a condo and he literally lost his condo because he had lost his job and they had kicked him out of his apartment like it was really devastating time for people who were young trying to just start their lives and we were just like getting my first uh Couch and my first bed and my first apartment. It was like yeah, I'm grown so, now yeah. finally. And then the economy collapsed. You were around our
1: age or a little bit older. Um, I was 24. 24, yeah, a couple yeah. years older. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I forgot how old I was, but I, I <laughs> felt the effects of the recession. Like my my, my mom lost her job, so mm-hmm. you just like lost things that you were used to getting, like toys for Christmas, and things just had to get cut back. Mm-hmm. And you didn't really understand it. You just like just, just woke it. up one day and you no, know, yeah. didn't have money. Yeah, that was a Maybe bad time.
2: And, I, and that's the funny thing because a lot of those things that I went through during that time and even some of the things that you remember mm-hmm. are a lot of the things that people live with on a day-to-day yeah, basis and so the economy is is kind of recovering. And so that's one of the things that have, um, that have kind of driven what I've been doing um, in politics and the reason why I'm running. Um, I understand what it's like to go through, ex- and that's that's impoverished situations where you don't have resources. You know where you know where your next meal is going to be. Right. Um, I was sitting there eating peanut butter sandwiches on bread because that's all I can afford. Yeah. And then getting dressed and going to whatever internship or anything that I could find to just get work. Yeah. Um, and then coming back home and there's no heat in my house. Mm-hmm. So. But I'm still grinding, trying to make something happen, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and people are experiencing this on a day-to-day basis. And then the politicians are out here, and they're, you know, saying all these great things to them, trying to inspire them. But they're not speaking to the day-to-day issues and grime. Yeah, they're I think going it's.
1: Through. I think it's good for a politician to come from that background, so they'll have like compassion for like the citizens out there, mm-hmm. and not come from like a silver spoon, like yeah. fed and all that. Mm-hmm. They know uh, what the people are actually going through. They know. What like could fix their situation, and yeah, I just think you have to like come from some type of struggle to yeah, I agree. You can find it more to real. try to be a, a hero or something, quote unquote.
2: But yeah, all right. So I mean, you know, it's it, these things have influenced the the, the way that I deal um, in politics. Um, one of the reasons why I moved into the neighborhood I moved into is because I really want to focus and zero in on communities that are suffering so you really want to get like a feel for it so like you really want to understand what they're going through what they're going through what their real problems are and how we can use policy um to fix those types of things to kind of help them along in their path so they can they can access opportunities Mm -hmm. um to uh have a better life and, and also not just for them but for their children we're learning that poverty is generational yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. there are people who, whose parents were poor whose parents parents were poor whose parents 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 were poor
1: and there's a cycle
2: of generational poverty
1: like one in. time i was in the barbershop. uh the guy said like reaganomics was worse than a nuclear bomb oh is yeah. oh. that like it made, made. <laughs>
2: This must the guy in
1: the barbershop said that like Reaganomics was worse than the nuclear bomb because it's like generational and it's like lasting effects, and just like it's it's still like like is that. Uh managers yeah, so
2: yeah it's right so I mean it's funny that you bring that up um, Ronald Reagan was a very effective president because he was able to push a message and bring in a whole new type of economics mm-hmm. right you are talking about Reaganomics with him came in this new concept called neoliberalism right yes. where if you don't regulate people or put a whole bunch of rules on banks and the economy that it will bring more money to
1: people oh, second. so yeah um, <laughs> I believe that's a take back.
2: Uh, So, Reaganomics. Reagan was very effective at um, deregulation. Um, Yes. um, It's a a long story. I don't know if you really want me to go through it, but I mean, mean, the Democrats and the Republicans... However long you want to stay, you can keep going. Um, It goes all the way back to uh, Roosevelt. Um, uh, So when the economy collapsed during the 1930s, um, the, the... The people that voted him in voted in this really, really liberal type person, and he came in. I mean, it was really, really bad. They didn't have food stamps back then, (laughs) they didn't have Social Security back then, they didn't have CHIP, they didn't have Medicaid or Medicare. And this was all the Reagan era, right? No, this was all during Roosevelt's time, so you got to kind of go back a little bit of history. They didn't have any of these things that we have like social services. Mm -hmm. So when the economy collapsed and people lost their jobs. It was just out there. Yeah. There was nothing for them to have. There was no unemployment. Thrown to the
1: wolves, basically. It was
2: basically thrown to the wolves. And so when Roosevelt came in, he uh, started this thing called the New Deal. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah.
1: I remember that in high school. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and one of the first things he did was regulate the banks. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, you know, this is going to, we're going to make sure that this never happens again. We have to put a whole bunch of regulations so people can't play with other people's money and then just lose it all. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to Reagan. Reagan comes in and says, "You know, these things are slowing down our economy. We don't need this anymore, and you know, we gotta we gotta uh, make sure that people are, you know, doing their fair share. So we can't have these welfare queens coming in here and sucking all the money out of our economy. Yeah. And and he was really effective at making people feel like it was their fault if yeah. they were poor." And we kind of still have that same mentality today. I mean, you hear people talk about, we ain't got no job, you know, they no. don't want to work, you know, people are just lazy. You know, these are the type of mentalities that we have uh, about people who are poor. And so one of the things that I wanted to try to do is really kind of change that type of mentality. People aren't necessarily poor because they want to. Nobody wants to be out here with no money, no yeah. job um people want to be able to buy their kids toys people want to be able to pay their bills and right. and live in a cool place you know buy some nice clothes and stuff like that nobody wants to be poor yeah. but i mean there are things that have been put into our system that stops people from being successful and we find out in Philadelphia the people who are most impoverished are latinos and african americans um, so apparently some of these things have been created so they can stay in these ways um, and what my job is to do was try to figure out what those things are and kind of change the ties so that people can be successful um, as we go through this process of gentrification here in Philadelphia. Yeah,
3: that's what I, I'm noticing that a lot like I just pay attention to like campuses and just see the areas they buy around like if you look at University City they bought like basically the entire length Lanc- Lancaster strip from 58 38th to like 37th kicked down, closed both schools while um, there are building schools around the entire area uh, on the market area which, um, Destroyed the I mean, yeah like mm-hmm. then you go down temple and you got Broad street they're buying everything on Broad street um, anywhere you look even in Southwest I mean Barcham Garden they're no they're no they're no longer taking like new vouchers for like people to move into the houses now. It's like buildings completely boarded up because you have the University of Science down the street, mm-hmm. and they're gonna move that. They're they're moving like closer from University of Science to be able to move their buildings there. Then you have Raymond, well I think it's Richard Island right there. That's a the school, and that's a way to the high um highway. Mm-hmm. So like when I pay attention to gentrification, just cause like. I see how, like you said, poverty it affects like us as a culture, black, white, no matter who it is. If you're poor, it affects you because we can't afford the money that's being like we can't afford the rent increase that's going to happen in the next few years.
2: And also. so the question is, is how do we how do we make sure that as the economy grows? Because I'll say this, and this is what I've been saying, gentrification is not bad when you displace people yep. and move them out of their homes. That is bad, because yes. at the end of the day, gentrification makes stuff look nicer, it's better. Yeah. You notice when you walk downtown, <laughs> you've got all these nice stores and these buildings, and the buildings look beautiful and yeah. modern. That's you know, you go I into mean. these homes, and they look all nice and fresh and redone. You walk in, they have nice wood floors and all these great cabinets. Gentrification is not necessarily bad. The problem is, is that when you're leaving people behind and you're not giving them the resources to be able to live in their homes that they've been living in for the past 30 to 50 years, right. that's the problem, where their children can't survive and keep the homes that are being passed down to them because they can't right. find jobs. Um, that's where the problem is. And so trying to figure out ways and pathways, um, pathways to opportunities um, so that people can just... Uh, be able to stay in their their spaces and be able to live and thrive in the economy that we have that's what the politicians uh, job is to do create policies that are there to support not just only a specific small few right. but to support
1: everybody that's in their district. So we can grow yeah. as a country, so, as a city. So we can
2: grow as a city.
1: So can I ask that um. Mm-hmm. If a politician, like, implements implement some type of law to, let's say, fix gentrification, then another politician comes back to reverse everything he did. So, like, what's the point in it all of, like, you could just change it in any, like, every administration that comes in, you know?
2: So let me tell you this. This is why your job mm-hmm. doing this is so important, right? Because you get the message out there. Mm-hmm. You are the people who are the first stop for politicians to come to, right? Uh We need to make sure we're coming to you and telling you guys exactly what we want to do in the community. And it's your job to get the message out to as many people as possible, right? Because we have to hold our politicians accountable. And then when they don't do what they're supposed to do, you ask them politely to come back to your show and then you let them have it. You're like, okay, so thank you so much for coming. So yes. why aren't Politicians you, do work for them, doing what you said yeah, people I'm want citizens. to do? Right. Or, you know, saying, I was up on, you know, X block um, at this time, and you said that you was going to put a play- playground over there, and you didn't do that. Yeah. So why didn't you do that again? Right. And guess, so why should people vote for you now since you're not hold doing them what you to what their you're word? Supposed to you're supposed to hold them to your, their word, right? right. That's what the, the free and open press is, and that's what democracy is. But not only are you supposed to do that, you're also supposed to participate in the process, right? It's important for us all to get out there and vote. You guys are in your early 20s, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. And and I applaud y'all for calling somebody like me to come (laughs) and and speak to you about politics and have these conversations. But we got to find as many more people that are your age to get involved into the process so that we can vote. Because when people don't vote, that politicians get in. Yeah. Yeah. We've
3: seen that from like our last yeah. campaign. <laughs> so, um,
1: can you explain some ways to get the youth into um, voting and into politics, and how can they become more interested? Because you know, being young, you're most likely like partying and not really caring about your future. So, how can uh, like the youth get involved, get involved with uh, politics?
2: I mean, you know, it's it's like doing stuff like you, right? Like, mm-hmm. like again, I'm I'm gonna bring it back to you guys. Media having podcasts and being a part of the media. Also, join a campaign. You know, get out there and knock on doors. You, right. you see a candidate coming through your neighborhood, be like, "Who are you?" <laughs> okay what you talking about Uh All right, if I like what what you talking about just jump on the campaign and say you know what I'm gonna help you get 10 signatures you know Mm -hmm. or you know I can support you in doing this you know and then finding friends to bring them along with you to do the same thing because nobody can inspire your friends just I mean, nobody can inspire your friends the way that you can. Yeah. I mean, I can try to go up to your friends and talk to them, but I don't have that same time when y'all was down at the beach together right. and y'all, you know, y'all was y'all y'all saw something crazy and yeah, weird. You have those You <laughs> have those moments, yeah. and so you know how to connect with them better than I do. Also, be the change that you want to see. If you see a politician out here that's not doing the work that they're supposed to do, get a, a um, get a tablet or something like that, uh, get a clipboard, and go out there and you run for office. I mean, there are so many positions out here that you can run for. I'm a committee person. All right. There's no age limit to be a committee person. Mm-hmm. And the, mainly what the committee person does is um, is go out there and, um, and they get uh, signatures, 10 signatures. That's all you need is 10 signatures from your so community. what are the requirements? Um, nothing, basically, That you <laughs> live in the community. You live in the community, you get 10 signatures, mm-hmm. you go down to the polls on election day, and you ask for votes. Well, like hmm. you just said, I agree with you
3: getting under the campaign of someone. Like, if you want to get into politics, you can get under the camp. Like, you can take under some for one campaign. If you don't like what they're doing, like you said, you can run yourself. If you don't like something, like, you might like some of the stuff there for and Then you might have certain things there. Might you might not be agree, um, agreeable with. So if you don't agree with it,
2: you can start running po- Learn more about politics and run for a campaign. Yourself. Yeah, let me tell you something. As soon as you do it, somebody else like you is going to be inspired. They'll be like, wait a minute. He might, yes. Wait a minute, He just did what he might. Why well, he. Oh, well, let me get out here and try to do the same thing. <laughs> and that's what creates a ripple effect. You be the movement that you want to see. Mm-hmm. You don't have to wait for somebody else to do it. You yeah. can do it yourself. And what will happen is is that you'll begin to shift the conversation and people will start looking at you and be like, wait a minute. Oh, so now all these 20-somethings are trying to get into yeah. politics. Maybe I need to start reaching out to them. And you'll have more and more people starting to come to your show because they'll be trying to reach out to people like you uh-huh. because you were votes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand that. So uh, back to uh, the position that you're running for, can you explain yeah. the um, actual powers that uh, 181st Legislative District, whatever, that you would have? running in that position?
2: Cool. So a state representative mm-hmm. a state representative is really uh, a individual that represents uh, a community um, to the state house and okay. so I'm sure you guys understand the levels of government right where yeah. you have your federal government you have the house, yeah. the congress, um, and then you also have the senate mm-hmm. and you have right. the president and then on the state level you have the governor
4: yeah.
2: um, the state senate, the state house, and then on the local level we have city council right. um, our council president and um, Mayors. Our mayor. Mm-hmm. So, um, on the state, and we act as the Congress, uh, but on the state level, right? Um, I believe there are 203 of us um, that are in the House right now and they're looking to lower that amount. um,
1: In America as a whole or Pennsylvania? No, for
2: the state of Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, Pennsylvania. And so what we do is we go back to our specific districts. We kind of survey what's going on, and then we go to the state house, and there are conversations about, you know, what can we do to make Pennsylvania as a whole better, but also considering me and my district that I'm representing. So basically I am 60,000 people, and one person going to the state saying, look, for this whole group of people, this is what they need. Uh Um, Or this is what we can do to make sure that this whole group of people is taken care of. Um, But I am that voice to the state. Um, and so what we do is we create um, laws and legislation that will um, get passed. And so we okay. come up with ideas on what could do, what, what we could do to make the whole state as a whole better, uh, specifically considering my district. And we try to push laws and uh, we bring resources back to our district to make it better. Um, there's a budget that we manage. Um, for our specific district that gives us a little bit of leeway to try to uh, get things jump started in the district and we kind of interact with uh, other organizations to kind of be uh, a kind of conduit con- <laughs> a conduit to uh, to bringing people together right. and and, um, and 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 making collaborations so that the uh, people in the district can kind of benefit from those things right. Um we also help people with constituent services. Um, if there's things inside their homes or in their lives that they feel like they can't necessarily handle on their own, um, they can come to the state rep's office and the state rep can kind of guide them or okay. their staff can guide them to where they need to go to get the resources that they need. Um, and so, I mean, there, there are a number of things that the state rep can do. He can also use his... Uh, his uh, position to kind of drive conversations. Mm -hmm. Like for instance, um, we know that it is not, um, we want the federal government to make universal health care, right? And so we know as a state representative, I can't um, do a major U-Haul to Medicare or even vote on that. Mm -hmm. But what I can do is go down to my district and grab a whole bunch of people together and get on TV and be like, these congressmen (laughs) or this president needs to do X, Y, and Z, so that me, my, me, and my people can get what we need here in the state of Pennsylvania. You know what I'm saying? So it now becomes a conversation. Yes, we can use our publicity uh, to mm-hmm. our our or um, our, our celebrity to uh, to get people to get stuff done mm-hmm. and to kind to of move conversations and and um, and to get stuff started.
1: You know. All right. Mm-hmm. So um, I have a question for all three of you. Uh, what is your uh, current view on the state of Philadelphia right now? And Alex, you can go first with that. Uh, so, what is my current uh, view on Philadelphia right now? Like, how do you, what Philadelphia- do you think of it?
2: Oh, I think that Philadelphia is becoming an international city. Yeah, um, it's, it's a dynamic economy. We see a lot of cool things happening. Like you saw the NFL come here and yeah. do their thing. Oh, uh, the draft. Yeah, yeah, the draft. We saw um, the DNC mm-hmm. come here. Yeah. And do their thing. Um, Philadelphia had the Pope come. Yeah, you know
1: we've seen like oh, that lot. is a lot though. Like, yeah, in yeah, the past I didn't notice two years. it. Yeah, I didn't notice it. Yeah,
2: that's in the past. Right since the time that yeah, like Philadelphia has been doing a lot of great I, things. I the same thing. Like as I go
3: downtown, I just look at the new buildings being built. I tell every friend that I have like with a tattoo of the skyscraper. <laughs> this is like my best joke. Like in my opinion, Philly is going to continue to change the skyscraper because growing as a city and like you look downtown or you look from 30th street and look at the skyscraper it's about three buildings that that's not done then it's probably a building downtown that just got the um, approval to be Turned into a skyscraper So yeah. in the next year We're gonna have skyscrapers yeah. All over. Similar
1: to New York They just build On yeah. top of each other And mm-hmm. running out of space I guess yeah. <laughs> yeah so
2: Philadelphia's turning Into a great city Right Like mm-hmm. it's amazing And it, um,
1: transforming Like downtown area yeah. With um, the, the, the gallery I think Yeah Yeah
2: Over 30th Street Station It's gonna look like A brand new space <laughs> Really yeah. really soon You see the plans of How they're about to Redesign that whole uh, Area right by the Waterfront over there um, Around 30th Street Station Drexel mm-hmm. has a whole plan Um, That they uh, have been working on with the city and um, with some grants um, federally to create uh, and redesign that whole space over there around 30th Street. I remember like a few
3: years ago when they first started like the renewal of 30th Street when they did the boardwalk. Yeah, and I just was looking at um, also the Love Park. They're they're redoing Love Park too, Mm -hmm. and what else are they doing? They just they added. Two, I believe in two skate parks in the next year yeah. to Philly. Like they're making it worse though. It's not accessible, but it's beneficial to everybody. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, not everybody. Because like as they build stuff, it's a lot of
2: stuff being taken away
3: from certain areas.
2: So then you talk about the tale of two cities, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if y'all have heard of this concept yeah. where you have this wonderful, beautiful downtown where it's like growing and it's thriving, and then you walk into certain neighborhoods and you see buildings are just collapsing on themselves you see trash rolling in the streets, yeah. you, you see a whole bunch of uh, crime, yes, um, like- people are poor, um, it's just all types of devastation everywhere inside the community, right? Mm-hmm. And so there are people who go downtown and they see all this wonderful, beautiful architecture and it's a metropolis, and mm-hmm. then they go home and they're walking through these weird, horrible looking spaces that have just been uncapped there's no investment in those spaces, right? And so what we have to figure out a way is that even though Philadelphia is becoming a dynamic economy and it's growing and it's an international city, we can't keep leaving people behind. And we got to find ways to uh, figure out how to bring those people along with us where we're not just getting rid of them and sending them out to the counties, but they can stay in the city and they can experience the better quality of life that gentrification brings. And then they can also pass down some sort of wealth to their children. I mean, because that's what it really needs to happen. I mean, we don't want to move all these people out of the city, and they just become somebody else's problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we got to figure out a way to empower them also. And I think that's really uh, my view of the economy of Philadelphia. It, Philadelphia is an amazing economy. It's thriving. It's dynamic. But we just can't keep leaving people behind mm-hmm. and discarding them and making them, trying to make them force them out the city. Um, and so that, that's really what I see on a daily basis um, when, as I move along. Um, i inside some of these areas. I have my foot in both cities um that's happening in one space
1: all right so can you explain why um typically like when you like go past the hood i guess there's a lot of construction but when you're here there's like nothing brand new ever getting built like i've been living here like couple like 15 years and i've never seen anything like new constructions or anything but you go like 40th street they have something new every week can you explain why like we don't get anything to like benefit us i guess like
2: in these areas yeah um
1: is it like simple reason just because like we're minorities or like something deeper than that?
2: I think there have been um, institutions created um, that are that give kind of priority to certain areas. Yeah, I wouldn't say I would say like
3: really. Is, like,
1: is it like a money thing? It's like no money to be made here. It's just like they build the businesses down there because they know that they can make money or I'm oh, sorry. I was <laughs> like it's more of
3: a business perspective like with University City, you have the college kids, yeah, the temple, you have the, the college kids, it's like wherever you they like he said like they position their business at where it's going to boom and now they're, they're not going to put uh, let me see like a Michael Chorus on like down the street from us on Mark 56 and Market they'll put it on 15th Street or like they wouldn't put them all in I wouldn't, I wouldn't know to put it but they wouldn't put them all in this area they'll put it somewhere where they can at least have a good revenue coming in here, you have to worry about people stealing, you have to worry about stuff getting took in, it's just like with this area, they more so scared, like why have they put stuff in this area? Well, it's because uh, there's a cluster
2: of people who uh, lack resources. Right, and so anytime you have a cluster of people who like resources, you're gonna have high levels of anxiety, you're gonna have high levels of people who are desperate um, to just get anything. You know, they're gonna go into stores and they're gonna take what they need because not because they just like stealing, it's because they need it for yeah, their need households. It, yeah. um, And so when that happens, I mean, businesses see that as a liability. And, I mean, a lot of the banks um, we've seen um, in the past kind of do not give out loans or resources uh, for growth um, to specific types of people. Um, You know, our country has a very dark past um, that we're still trying to recover from. Um, Sometimes I have to realize that, I mean... (laughs) It was not. It was. It was less than forty years where we had. It was about forty or fifty years ago that uh, Martin Luther King and them were marching to get civil rights. Right. I mean, Martin Luther King would still be alive today um, if yeah. he wouldn't have gotten. He, he died at thirty nine years old, I think. He died at a very early well, assassinated. age. Yeah. yeah, and so I mean, a lot of these people, Malcolm X, these people were fighting to just uh, be able to vote. Yeah, um, and so I mean, and a lot of people who are were in office then um maybe their children, or some of them are still present and alive and still hold positions of power. Um, racism is still prevalent in this country. We've yeah. seen it um, during the campaign trail with uh, with um, with Donald Trump um, running for office. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there's a history that this country has to try to, to deal with and recognize. i about address. Yeah, and address, yeah. Um, because, and, and you know, and what, what people cannot continue to do is to act like it's not there or that, that it's yes. disappeared because we had Barack Obama as a president. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. having Donald Trump as a president has shown us clearly that it's not gone away uh-huh. and that it's become
1: <laughs> a little bit worse now do because you, people
2: were mad that we had a black president. Yeah. And, do you think
1: it was just like a retaliation to like, erase his legacy? Or, yeah, I definitely really supported them.
2: Yeah, yeah, I definitely think it was a retaliation, but I don't necessarily think it was only a retaliation, I think it was also a response. People wanted something different, right? Mm-hmm. They, they did not want the same old yeah, politicians politician, running yeah. I heard about our it. country. Um, Donald Trump was an outsider, and the Democrats put up somebody who had been in politics for years. And so when the country was looking for something new, when they put up something that's been there for a long time, the country shifted towards something that was new. Um, unfortunately, I mean, they sold out the minorities to get him, and they sold out their own pockets to bring in somebody who's wealthy that is now pushing for tax cuts that's going to significantly support the wealthy. But, um, you know... we. These are the things that we deal with, and these are the things that I think that you are in my generation, are going to have to try to fix and work out as we move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that as I look at young people like you, and, um, and I see the people like me who are running, um, me running as an openly gay candidate, which is something that is like crazy. Like, I'm, I'm African American, I'm a male, and I'm running as an openly gay candidate. Um, that tells us that we have come a long way. But I think that, and I, that our generation is a lot more liberal. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, we still have a long way to go. And mm-hmm. seeing young people like you who are having these conversations and who are bringing in people like me gives me a lot of hope and it excites me for the future because mm-hmm. I think that we'll be able to move forward. Um, but going back to investment in communities that have not been invested in for a long time. I mean, some of these uh, policies that were put into place to keep African-Americans in a certain place um, <clears throat> have not been um, fixed completely yet. Um, And so I think that's why it's important that we find politicians who kind of understand uh, these things and have been kind of looking at it over time. To put them in office so that we can kind of overturn some of these policies, so there can be investments in our neighborhoods, so that we can have more than just uh, Asian stores or Latino stores, but we can have some Black-owned stores too, and we can have some cool stores like Michael course coming into our neighborhoods, and they know they're not going to get robbed because right. everybody in the neighborhood has good jobs, mm-hmm. um, and their children can eat, and you know, and they're not living like five or six people in the house, and that you know the father that's in the house can't find a job because he just got out because he was locked up, you know. So, like, and then we have good schools in the area. I think that's another big thing. We need to make sure that our schools are, um, that our schools have the proper resources in them so that we can get a really good education. Um, And so looking into policies that have been put into place that uh, disproportionately affect poor people in a negative way is something that, I mean, we need to really drill um, and question our politicians about. It's just like, well, why aren't we getting this? And what policy or do you think we can put into place to kind of make this better for communities like mine? All right. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. You have any other questions? No. <laughs>
2: um, what was it
3: like working with Mayor Street? <laughs>
2: Mayor Street is is funny. Um, I, I so Mayor Street is a. Oh, uh, uh, um, I say seasoned person because I don't like to say older. Uh, but he's a seasoned person, but he has a very youthful type mentality. And I think it's because he's he's been around college campuses. Um, and so he's constantly surrounded by young people. Um, and so he's able to keep like a youthful presence. Um, he's a fighter. Um, and every time I talk to him, he's always talking about how he fought in council. Um some of the things that he did. He was a very strategic person politically.
3: Yeah, my parent that was like my parent my mom favorite you know, mayor and then yeah. got, like I would always hear something, something, mayor, street something. I didn't know when you said the name, it just rung like it just rung like, just rung, like a bell in the back of my head. Mm-hmm. So I knew like he was had to be a mayor or something. But like did he like push like give you any good advice like when you were run like when you told him you were running for her? Um, Congress,
2: not Congress, um, councilman. So, uh, so when I told him I was going to run for state rep, he was just like, well, you know, he said, it's y'all time. You know, it's the young people's time. It's time to, you know, get the older people out. Okay. And, you know, it's time for fresh faces. He, more eye openers. Yeah. He he told me um when, when way back when, when I was going to run for committee person. He was like, you know what, let me just tell you this to you. He was like, I never tell a young person not to run. He was like, you know, you'll never know what you can do unless you try it. You know, you just got to kind of get in there and just do it. And he's always that type of person. He's constantly pushing me, you know. Like even when he's he's never the type of person that has said, you know what, you shouldn't do it because I don't think you can do that. Mm. I mean, there's only been one time specifically where he was just like, "Um, Alex, I don't know about that because you might not wanna you don't might not want those problems. But it had nothing really to do with the space that I was in. It had me Trying to jump into somebody else's issues to try to help uh, out. He was "Marcel, so like he was like, Marcel, you wouldn't be comfortable in that position." Yeah, he was like, "You need to stay out of that fight. That's not your fight yeah. to have." And so that, but that's the only time he's ever been like, you know, you should do something. Mm-hmm. Anytime I ever say, "I mean, I want to do this," he's like, "Well, look." This is what you probably should do if you want to do that. You should try it. He's he's always been a pushing and a driving force behind me to encourage me and tell me that I can do anything. And that's one of the things I really appreciate about him as a mentor, um, that he has always pushed me, always given me real advice, always been real with me about how things were. And I've always been able to respect him. He is very much so unapologetically black. <laughs> he's, he keeps his hands on all the movements. He was telling me, he was like, man, I went out there to Missouri for the Black Lives Matter protest. You remember when they were having the um, issue out where the boy got shot at King Lee?
1: Yeah, Mike Brown. The, no, Michael no, Brown. Something yeah. else? Yeah,
2: in um, Ferguson. Oh, Mike Brown. Yeah, Mike yeah. Brown. And so he was like, yeah, I was out there. He was just like, you know, I was watching the protests. Like, he's like right in there. Like, yeah. he loves protests. Uh-huh. But that's the time that he came from. You yeah, know, in the 60s, they, yeah. was, they were going hard. Yeah. <laughs> they was like, no games.
1: Like, it was like man. mandatory. Sorry for them to protest back then, I guess.
2: Yeah, yeah. And And we're seeing it now. You know, Black Lives Matter is our version of it, Hmm. right? Um, So, yeah, he's always been that inspiration to me, kind of pushing me from behind, saying, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. Just just get in there and just try it, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's what I really appreciate about him as a mentor. And that's my other thing to you. I mean, you guys have the ability to do whatever you want to do. And the goal is to find as many mentors around you to put around you to kind of promote and support you in whatever you do. There's never too many mentors to have. I have a plethora of mentors that kind of feed different parts of my ambition. Um, and so when I have issues about maybe one thing, or let's say, I mean, I'm like, I don't understand how this policy works. I can go to my, my friend that does economics, or I can go to my friends that do education. You have mentors around you. You surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. You surround yourself with people who have more experience than you. You never let that intimidate you, because if they're bringing you in, that means that they see something inside of you. And, you know, and if they decide to tell you no or criticize you, you know, you need to be able to have those type of people that you can trust, that they have your best interest in mind and that they're going to do everything in their power to make sure you get to whatever goal that you have. Um, And that right there can change the whole trajectory of your life. You got to bring people around you that are different than you and that can feed your ambition, because then if you have great mentors around you, there's nothing that you don't have the ability to do.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Someone's—I remember someone said, um, "If you're the smartest person in the room, you should leave the room." Yes. You ever heard that before? Yeah, I agree with that.
2: I
0: constantly surround myself with smart. Just people.
1: always, always like learn, find like opportunities to improve yourself. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm.
0: Especially mm-hmm. being like person for myself, especially being like a predominantly white university mm-hmm. institution, like uh, white, white university. Um, started off in college with five of us. Um, about a, my second semester.
2: You have that conversation. And I was just having that conversation um, about cops on the radio yesterday. Um, yeah, on the radio on Word, mm-hmm. and they were talking about um, the police, and I was just like, "Well, you know, the police are in a very interesting situation because what's happening is is they're sent into these communities that have been starved of resources, and these people are dealing with high levels of anxiety. Uh, they're dealing with trust issues. They're dealing with so many different things inside their community, and the police." are sent in to do the job that the politicians is supposed to be doing with ring of resources, but instead, they're coming in there with force to make sure that the people stay calm, right? And so, of course, the people are going to naturally resist that, right? Yeah. Because they're like, you're trying to control me when, yeah, I'm, like said, when I'm dealing with horrible issues, and the police are like, but it's your job to respect me because I'm, I'm here, here to protect what we have built. And so it's this butting of heads, Right. And so at the end of the day, the police are going through high levels of anxiety too because when people resist them, it makes them afraid to do their jobs also. And it's the same thing with us it makes us afraid of the police because the police are now doing overly aggressive yeah, force. You see us. videos
1: all the time and you, you and just so get the images in your mind.
2: When you have a, a negative going out of the negative, it's, it's just going to cause a really bad reaction. Right? The, poli- the the politicians in those areas are supposed to be bringing resources to those communities. We recognize that in communities where there's a lot of investment, you see low levels of crime. Mm-hmm. Right, It's an anomaly if something bad happens. You know, And so that's what we need to get our African-American communities or these poor communities or these disadvantaged communities or these underserved communities. Right. We need to make sure that we're pouring enough resources in there so the people are invested in the places that they're in. They love their life that they're living, and they don't have to call the police Uh, for simple things that are happening up the street, but they can just live and feel confident in the neighborhoods that they've built and created because they have the resources that they need to live a good life. Um, And so that's what we really need to focus on. Um, I do believe that community policing is better. When somebody (laughs) from the community is being the police officer, he understands uh, Johnny up the street because he saw Johnny... Um, and grow grow up up. and so he's not going to attack Johnny when he recognizes that Johnny is having a bad day and then go in and Johnny says something smart to him but he knows that Johnny is not usually like that and so there's something wrong with Johnny Mm -hmm. and so instead of trying to uh, knock Johnny up against the wall and put him in handcuffs he's going to go to Johnny and be like yo I was just talking to your mom the other day what's going on with you your mom still having problems you know like they're able to communicate with him because he knows Johnny is inherently a a good guy you know, and so I think that's the type of relationships that we need to have with our police officers. If they are brought in from the community, then they're able to police the community in a completely different way. But the problem is, is that a lot of you don't see that many African-American. You don't. Well, I'm, I'm not even going to say African-American. You don't even see that many kids that are in underserved communities wanting becomes, to be police officers. Especially
0: with the TV and everything you see now is like it's yeah. more
3: so fear than yeah.
0: oh, like inspir- inspirational. Mm-hmm. And parents play a big part, too. You know, I actually was saying to, like, a, my little man, like, we don't like, not saying we don't like, the police things, like, their situations are really different. So how about, you know, take our own people and become police officers so maybe we can change from the, from the inside. But mm-hmm. instead, his his rebuttal was basically, oh, no, I mean, if I'm a police, that makes me snitch. That makes me this yeah, thing. Yeah, you think it's, it's uncool. A, it's a bear, yeah, exactly. I'm just not cool. So it becomes a pair thing. It's mm-hmm. like, it's, so I mean building that connection
2: right having relationships with the police officers and I think there goes to another thing that the politicians can do we can be people who bring collaborations together right Mm -hmm. where we go into the community and say you know we're gonna have a uh, community uh, day where we invite in the policemen we invite in the firemen we invite in all these people who are sent to help protect our communities the places that we invest in Mm and. You know, we're all going to come together and we're just going to have fun with each other. It's not going to be about um, us trying to come in and police. It's not going to be about us trying to control anybody. It's just about us sitting around eating hot dogs and hamburgers and having good music and just experiencing each other's space so that we can get to know each other. And then kids can see uh, these uh, officers in a completely different light because they're not there to police them. They're there to just experience them as individuals and human beings. And I think these are the things that will humanize. Uh, both sides it will humanize the people to the police but it also will humanize the police to the people yeah Um, and they won't look like a force that is coming in to to manage the community but they'll look at a neighbor as a neighbor as a friend as somebody that's just another person
1: you know Yeah not be afraid of them. Yeah. Can I uh, read a, a little excerpt from your uh, website yes. and ask you a few questions about it? Um, it's only one sentence right here. It says, Alex is passionate about addressing the issues that are keeping the residents in this neighborhood from keeping pace with the changing in the economy with a special focus on education, economic, and social justice. So can you explain those uh, three topics, I guess, education, um, economics, and social justice, how you would impact those as state representative, okay. starting with education first?
2: Good deal. Um, I'm glad that you asked those questions. <laughs> uh, education is a big deal for me. So as we were talking before, uh, my background is actually in education. Uh-huh. Uh, Philadelphia has a really cool uh, program that they're doing out here where it's uh, it's a concept of community schools. Right? Um, have you guys heard of community schools before?
1: Community? What, schools. Would, what would that be?
2: Okay, so community schools is a concept where they... Uh, use the school as a space to uh, offer uh, social services and some sort of resources to families. So, like, I know one community school has, like, a washing and dryer in the school. So if the kids come to school and their clothes need to be washed, they can actually do that within yeah. the school. Or, you know, they have several programs that just kind of support the family unit as a whole. Uh-huh. Um, and so one of the things that I've been hearing from a lot of education advocates is, is that the school, community school concept hasn't really been having the effect that it really should have it's not it's not performing as well as it could um, so what we've been trying to work on is finding ways to uh bring in other partners to kind of bring into the school system to kind of bolter, bolster that thing one of the things that i was learning when i worked at the united way is is that uh we it's really important to take an intergenerational approach to our schools um a child can go to school and the school can be the best school in the world, but if that child is not prepared to learn when they come to school, there's no point. Mm-hmm. Um, if that child comes to school and the child has experienced hunger issues, or if the, the child has watched his parents fight each other all night, he's not or focused on his education. if that parent has, is dealing with his friend just being shot, um, and he found that friend or was just running from bullets on his way to school, he's not prepared to learn when he gets to school. He need to have conversations with people, uh, to kinda to get his head right a little bit before so beforehand. Um, and this is at um all ages from K through twelve, right? Where kids thing. are dealing with these issues. Yeah, yeah. I feel
3: though like I said this right before I graduated, like it's a real gap between teachers and students. Like you don't get X once you become a high school kid, like you don't get X, what do you want to do next? It's yeah. like it should be driven from first grade all the way to twelfth grade. I asked my little cousin, like, what do you wanna be when you get older every day because At least if you know what you want to be when you get older, you can have more of a passion for school. Or you can know why when you're in school, okay, I'm in math. I want to be a business person. I'll take this math class more serious. Or I'll pay more attention to this math teacher. And I'll make sure I get done these grades. But the teachers don't ask. It's more so come to school, do your work, and leave. It's not a a real relationship with students and teachers anymore.
2: Oh, wow. That's a very interesting um, thing to think about. And you know what? Now that you have said that, you know, that's something that we can definitely look into the teacher-student relationship. Um, But let's let's revamp that, right? Mm -hmm. Because we can kind of deal with some of that. Um, We can't fix the trauma that happens at home. Right. But what we can do is try to provide resources so that the home life becomes a little bit more stable for the child. (laughs) right and so what we can do is one of my things i've really been pushing is mental health services right Mm -hmm. mental health services kind of um help people figure out how to deal with trauma Mm -hmm. um they don't necessarily have to be a space of where it's like medicine or like we're giving people um different types of medicines that will change or their their body chemistry, but having conversations um, with people. If the child comes into school, they see that the child is not necessarily performing well or there's something wrong with the child. You have counselors and therapists that come into the classroom and pull the child aside and say, look, what's going on? Let's check in. Mm-hmm. How do we, you know, what's, what's, what's happening with you? And then when that happens, then if the school is a community school, who knows? The parent may be inside the school washing clothes. Mm-hmm. You can pull in the parent. Right or who knows the parent may be in the school grabbing some food from one of the organizations that are that are housed in the school. The Parent can come in; they can have conversations on what they can do to try to stabilize the home a little bit better, um, and then the child is a little bit more prepared to be in the school. Um, I think a lot of these these the things that poverty poverty causes us uh, we're learning that poverty causes trauma that's very similar to PTSD. PTSD is um, the the. Type of trauma that people have after being in war zones, yeah, and so they're they're exhibiting some of these same types of uh, same thing.
1: Same thing happens when someone comes home from jail, yeah, and they they still think they're behind bars, yeah, they're not, yeah. 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 And so
2: these things are being passed on down to the children, Mm -hmm. right? And they're causing all types of things to happen in our communities. If we can make it so that the schools have are equipped with counselors and therapists to kind of to help people deal with these situations. Because we don't, like, I mean, people usually don't, not especially in, in, in underserved communities, we don't see uh, people going to talk to therapists on a regular basis, you know, they go to church, yeah. or they'll talk to their friends, yeah. you know, but if we have cancer, we're going to the doctor. Right. You know what I'm saying? If we got, uh, broke our leg, we're going to the doctor. Why is it when we have um, issues with our emotions and in our mind, we're not going to a mental health specialist? To deal with those issues we can't I it, mean it's wonderful to talk to your pastor it's it's great to, to deal with your spiritual man but you know you need to go to somebody that's going to deal with your physical mind mm-hmm. who is a professional like doing it um, and so i think that's why it's important we can use our schools uh to be that space for not only the children but for the parents also if it's a community school structure um we can also Um, So that's where I'm really trying to focus with education, It's really trying to make it a space to where it helps the social issues that are happening in the homes so that kids are prepared and that families are stabilized. Um, We talk about um, social justice. Um, There are a lot of things that are happening. We're talking about um, the stopping frisk in the city, right, when we're Mm -hmm. having those conversations, and we were talking about how... um, If in the state of Pennsylvania, if you are um, somebody who is um, LGBTQ um, outside of Philadelphia, you can be fired, and it's not illegal. Um, You can be fired for being gay in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, Yeah, Um, it's not from a regular job or yeah from a job. Um, They know that. Yeah, that's that's a problem, right? It's not like that here in the city, only because we had some really great people doing um, stuff um, in City Hall. Um, but um, you, uh, in the state, that's a problem. Um, so those are some of the issues that we need to fight back with social justice. Talking about how the interaction between the police and um, our our citizens. I'm talking about why our prison systems are so packed with people and how we can reduce those things. I'm um, talking about expungement clinics and things like that. Uh, those are the things that we can deal with as far as social justice is concerned, how we interact with each other socially, I think um, is a really important piece uh, to this mix. And then economically, we we're talking about the tale of two cities, right? How do we bring resources into these communities where we can develop them? Um, helping um, to bring resources to civic organizations that are making sure that people have, uh, that are getting involved in their elections, um, that are getting involved in what's happening in their uh, neighborhood associations and stuff like that so that they can bring the resources into the community kind of tip the scale in the economy. Once you uh educate people, education is that that determining factor that shifts everything. Cuz you can make your own decisions, you make your own decisions. Yeah. Um helping people focus on job training programs that bring technology uh to our communities, right? Cuz you don't necessarily have to have a degree to get into a technology job. Um you just have to have certain skills. And yeah, I think experience is uh, tie some mental health services to these people who are replacing into, into job program training programs. They'll learn how to deal with their bosses. They'll learn how to deal with criticism. They'll learn how to work on the job and not be arguing with people and stuff like that, but they'll be able to be focused. If we can get some um, health and wellness and life training courses attached to the job training programs and also help try to facilitate bringing tech industry uh, jobs into our communities, I think that we could really, really do some really good jobs um, and, and really kind of tip the scales on our account in these underserved
1: yeah. communities. All right. Now, a drawback to education. I had two questions about that. Okay. Uh, you, uh, you recently said about the, parent te- uh, the student-teacher relationship. So, like, how important is, like, a class size to one teacher? Yeah. And, like, you know, the budgeting and getting more teachers in, how, how can you, like, try to help that as a um, representative? Two things. You know. Right. You...
2: You're really good. I like. The I way tr- you I me Because you're asking me questions that me and my policy team have been talking <laughs> about. Uh, it's it's like Terrell back here, like yeah, I think, yeah. Um, class size is a problem. Yeah, I think
1: that's important.
2: Class size is a huge problem. Um, we got to find ways to bring more money into our schools to yeah. where we can hire more teachers and lower the classroom sizes. Um, that's something that is really important. Um, As a state representative, um, we definitely, I mean, there are a lot of people talking about fair funding for our schools. Um, We definitely need to find ways to fund our schools better in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, That's a long-term goal. Um, That's where we would, like, really have to try to make sure that as many people across the state vote because our legislator is heavily Republican, and Republicans are not trying to hear um, giving more money to schools, um, especially here in Philadelphia. Um, So that's a long-term goal. We have to make sure that as many people get out there and vote as possible so that we can kind of change the way our Republican legislator looks so that we can get good stuff to our governor um, that will help change, tip the scales in our schools. Also, relationships with teen teachers. There are not that many um, minority teachers in these schools. Philadelphia is a ma- majority African-American city. Um, it's a majority minority city. Yeah, and, um, I agree with that. There should be the same I only of had, minority like, teachers in these classrooms. I had a lot of teachers
3: that was teaching, like, classes that threw me off. I had a Spanish teacher. Yeah, I was, didn't like, like that class. A white, I had a, like, a white teacher teaching African-American Yeah, history, me too. Like,
1: the, 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 I, had yeah, yeah, I had, like, three black <laughs> teachers my entire life. <laughs> Three, yeah. Wow. I actually yeah. wanted to be a teacher, but then I just changed my mind. I don't know. Our what. first black teacher was probably wasn't
3: until like ninth grade, yeah. like all the way through. I had girl, female, like all female white teachers that didn't know how to handle
1: um ruckus kids. Yeah. I guess we would say, and that's how you know the, the class just got overwhelming for the teacher and and just went all downhill like throughout the year, you know what I mean. So that's, we a, why, that's, that's how we grew up. So. We
2: find that students learn better when they have a teacher that kind of looks like them, yeah, um, that understands them culturally. Um, it even it's, it's even when we're talking about giving out resources um, people feel more comfortable going to somebody that kind of looks like them
4: yeah.
2: um, and i think that that should happen in a city that's majority african-american why don't we have a lot of african-american teachers and i think that's something that we can try to look at in the state house and figure out how we can empower some of these universities and colleges to put a heavy focus on um, giving scholarships to young um, people who are of color, um, black and brown people, to put them into the school system, so that we can kind of tip the scales. Yeah. Um, our young people need to see people look that they look like them in these industries, and makes yeah. you guys want to do it. You say you, you may have wanted to be a teacher, but you didn't see any black ones. <laughs> um, that that that's 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 real. It's the same thing about yeah. the, the police officers. Maybe one of these kids would want to be a police officer if they saw somebody in their community that they respected as a police so officer. So
1: that that really ties into um, the NBA, I guess they see. Uh, black athletes and that's what they want to be mm-hmm. and that's what they see all day like rappers so yeah rappers, rappers yeah.
3: like like he was saying like half our idols now are more so TV entertainment yeah entertainment then we don't have politics Barack was like our last real person that we was like okay kids might want to be a president now mm-hmm. but then right after that we get Donald Trump he's like uh, I don't know if I want to be a president I might want to <laughs> be a
2: basketball player again mm-hmm. uh, you know, I always say that it is an amazing opportunity. I mean Barack Obama was one of the reasons why I also wanted to be in politics. Um, he is an amazing example of a great black family. Um, it was also seeing a black woman, a black man and a black kids in the yeah. White House. Um, and Barack Obama has such black man swag. <laughs> like when you see him getting off the uh, the plane and he dapping people up while he's walking <laughs> back, and so he has that like old black man walk, where you know he looked like your uncle walking up the street, yeah. in confidence and stuff like yeah. that. And how he was switching up when he was talking to white people, then yeah. When he was talking to black people, you knew that he was one of your cousins, you know. Right. So I always so relatable was, he was, yeah. He was so relatable, and it was an amazing thing to see. Um, and it, and it made me dream. Um, of being in spaces like that, it was just like, right? Being an openly gay African-American. There are a lot of uh, LGBTQ people out there that are kids that go through some real bullying. Um, (laughs) I was bullied heavily as a child. Um, when I was in school and I mean I was in the corner a lot of times I didn't like to be seen I didn't want to be around people like it made me feel weird but somebody that is running as an openly gay candidate that is African American saying look people will respect you people will you know love you for who you are um, opens the door for other people like me to do the same thing, and that's why I was telling you guys. It's really important for you guys to step out there and you know and do as much as you can um, now that you are being made aware more and more, right? It is your responsibility to be the example to that 13, 12 year old. Mm-hmm. Um, you was telling me that your your, your Jr. Uh, or your your, um, your boy. You was like you was trying to tell him, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. just bring him around. It's like you got to make sure that you do your responsibility responsibility on passing down and being an example for somebody else young like you because you're always being wrought by these young yeah. these young people yeah. and you want to make sure that they are prepared so that when you're age they can do better, do better things deal. than you you know and you want more kids that look like you that got locks uh, that got braids mm-hmm. that wear hoodies you know you want to normalize certain things so that when they grow up they can feel free to be themselves right. And not have to worry about somebody judging them based off of some stereotype because you've paved that way for them. I understand. It's mm-hmm. more of a norm than, like, a difference. It's more of a norm yeah. than a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we got to see more um, minority teachers inside these schools. Yeah, it's um, important.
1: They, kids do
2: better when they have somebody that looks like them teaching them.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. So let's move on. Um, I have a political news story. If you want to talk about it, I might read it right now. Okay. Um, It uh, involves uh, African-American unemployment rate in the country as a whole. It's the lowest it's ever been. Um, If I can find it. Okay. It says, uh, President Trump on Wednesday touted the country's plummeting unemployment rate and for the fourth time in in a week took credit for the historically low jobless rate among African-Americans. Quote, uh, unemployment is at a seventeen year low and I'm very proud of this. African American unemployment reached its lowest level in history. Think of that. Uh, end quote. So basically he's taking credit for um the African American unemployment rate. So do you think it's him doing this or like after effects of Obama's uh administration? You uh, talk about that?
2: African I mean Barack Obama did some really cool things when he was president to try to ensure that as many people had jobs as possible Um, and you know we're seeing some of the effects of it now Mm -hmm. right Um, of course Donald Trump is going to tout as much as he can and try to take credit for everything that's happening I mean but when you're looking at the unemployment rate too you also have to realize that unemployment rate is based off of people who are um, known for looking for jobs if you decide that you're stopping you, you don't want to look for a job anymore, and you stop looking in the job market, they take you off that number. Okay. So that number could, there's probably some sort of a, a, a plate, a, some sort of a, a, a error in that that number. Um, and, and as you know with Donald Trump, Donald Trump takes credit for stuff that's not his all <laughs> yeah. the time. Um, he would take credit for the, the stuff that's on this wall if he could, if it was going to bring him more <laughs> political capital. <laughs>
1: Um, it's the best built in America. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's huge. But, I mean, I think we got to
2: give a little bit more time. Barack. I mean, Donald Trump has only been in office
1: for... Uh, a year. A year. A year. Almost like eight days away from uh, the 20th. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean,
2: it, it feels like it's been a longer time. <laughs> like, and it, it's crazy. Um, but he, his policies, we're about to see what his policy is going to do. They just push for this tax plan and... You know they're they're rolling back all these different um, things that we would have been happening. So we're going to see the effects of his plan. We got to give it a little bit more time, um, but we're going to see the effects of his his, his policies really really soon. Um, uh, Barack Obama left him a, a decently healthy economy, um, and so too and also uh, of employment. There is um, I think one of the, from the last time I checked the biggest the largest employer in this this country is Walmart. Yeah. Um, so so are technically employed if you have a low-paying job so you may have a job but it's not a job that's enough to pay your bills um, that's why a lot of people are shouting out that we gotta raise um, the minimum wage um, because you know a lot of the jobs that are in here they're low wage paying jobs and they're jobs that are not enough to pay uh, to take care of a family or to buy a home or, you know, just to, to, to maintain some sort of security financially. Um, so when you look at these numbers, you have to really kind of break them down and try to figure that's out, right. like, uh, what what these numbers are representative because politicians can be shrewd. Um, if they want to tout some success, they can manipulate numbers to make it look like they're doing a good job when um, there's another story that's being told behind the scenes.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, so what are your opinions on uh, raising uh, the wages, uh, the minimum wage, to a certain amount? And... Can you just do that like specifically in Pennsylvania or does it have to be a, um, a nationwide thing?
2: You can do it specifically in Pennsylvania if you like. Um, okay. New Jersey has raised their minimum wage. I think Ohio has done the same thing.
1: Is that a good or bad thing? Or? Um, I think
2: raising okay. the minimum wage is a great thing. Um, I think that we need to tie um, the minimum wage to the cost of living. Um, and so as the cost of living rises in this country, the minimum wage rises so that people can get enough money to, to live and, and live secure lives and take care of their families and be secure. Um, this, this truth be told, I mean, minimum raise could be raised by city council. Um, we have a democratic city council. Um, a lot of people are just afraid to do it because business, um, is saying that you know they're going to lose, um, they're gonna, they're gonna, they, they can't afford it and all this kind of stuff. You talk about economics, right? The economy is, um, driven by demand. I don't know if you Really, no. So demand is how many people are buying things, right? Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Business owners don't create jobs. Demand creates jobs. When there's more people buying stuff, the business has to hire more people, right? So the more money in the hands of people and the more products that they buy pushes the business to to hire more staff to accommodate the demand that's happening. If you raise the demand, the supply will automatically start to rise also. And so, I mean, if you put more ha- money in the hands of people, um, they'll go out to these stores and they'll patronize them more often, and they'll be able to buy more products. I mean, so that, 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 I think that it's very important that uh, we raise the minimum wage so that people can actually keep the economy flowing. Um, We need to make sure that the the money is going into the hands of the people who need the resources the most and stop pushing money up to the top where they're hoarding it and they're not spending it. I mean, if you're hoarding the money, you're not putting it in the economy, you're not raising demand. Um, if you give it to a whole bunch of poor people who need a whole bunch of things, as soon as they get the money, what's the first thing they're going to do? Go buy materialistic things, I guess. Well, not necessarily materialistic things, but they're going to go buy stuff. Um, they're going to go buy food. Yeah, they're from their company, more stuff for their house that yeah. they needed. You know, I mean, for instance, if somebody gave you a hundred dollars, what would you go buy
1: immediately? Uh, I don't even know. Definitely. Like subscriptions to Netflix. Eat right now.
2: Well, <laughs> even so, you know, Netflix will need. Um, yeah. Will get more revenue. The grocery store would get mm-hmm. more revenue. Uh, what else? I mean, the Speakers. poster store may get something. The poster store now open gets more revenue, right? You'll get some more clothes. Mm-hmm. Those stores in Michael Kors will get more revenue. And then if there's a whole bunch of people like you that are doing it, let's mm-hmm. say about 50 or 60 of them, now Michael Kors has to, to create more shifts yeah. to accommodate everybody coming into the store so it's not long lines, right? So d- demand drives the need for jobs, and so if we hand more money into the hands of the people who need the resources the most, the businesses will start to grow. Cause they'll spend more. If they don't have money, they'll spend less. The businesses will have to cut jobs. They'll have yeah. to cut so the resources that they are bring in.
1: Basically have to spend money to make money, and that's what, it, that's what it all is. I never thought of it like that. You have to invest.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. yes. Yeah, open opened my mind. Especially,
0: especially while we on economics, I had a quick question. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you feel like the current economic state of the country right now? Ooh,
1: this
2: this country is saying the stock market is doing very well. Um, but the most of the growth that's happening is going to the wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to figure out a way to redistribute the income in this country. And I know that's not the most popular thing to say when you're talking about trying to get more wealthy donors. Because as a politician, I have to constantly raise money. Mm-hmm. But there's, we need to figure out a way to redistribute the income so that um, the whole country is experiencing the, uh, the advantage of the growth that's happening. Um, we can't continue on the way we are because, like we was talking about, how money makes the, in- the economy grow, right, mm-hmm. how it makes the economy flow. Yeah. If all the wealthy people are getting all the money and there's no poor people or lower income people or disadvantaged people uh, buying. Um, then the money is going to stop flowing in the economy. Mm -hmm. You know, so you have to give money to the lower half of the economy at some point, because if it doesn't, then there's no money flowing. Um, And that's what we're seeing. The wealthy people are hoarding it, and they're trying to get more and more and more and more and more. Um, But eventually it's going to start to damage them. Um, And so we got to figure out a way to redistribute the wealth so that we can actually see this economy flow in a better pace
1: okay so uh, yeah i want to talk about a little uh your competition quote unquote uh, yeah, i want to talk about your, your competition for a uh, state representative oh okay. it's a it's a stop i have uh we we found uh, Malcolm Kiata is that his name yeah, yeah, we found him on uh, Instagram. he said he's uh running um so yeah, how will you like impact your community in a way that he can't you know like or like better i guess
2: well i mean just Uh, Having conversation, I think that Malcolm Kenyatta is a very nice person, I I don't like to...
1: uh, We're not trying to start beef here. Yeah, I don't like to start beef. (laughs) We're a family podcast.
2: You know, I I don't like to be the person to throw the first stone. (laughs) Um, But I am very much so different than Malcolm, I am 34, Malcolm is 26. I didn't Um, know that. He's younger than me. I have worked inside these communities and done this type of work um, for a very long time. I've I've made it my point to work in disadvantaged communities, um, dealing with underserved people. Um, as we're talking about from the detention center to working on DC public schools um, to working in the community, um, I have done a lot of that work. I've experienced poverty on my my own. We were talking yeah. about the collapse of the economy. Um, all these things I've experienced um, as an adult. Um, And so my perspective on how people are and how they experience um, um, poverty is completely different from his and I think that's what makes me uniquely suited um, above my competitors um, is that I understand poverty, I've experienced it and I think the diversity of who I am allows me to appeal to a number of different types of people. and so i think that that's what makes me a little that gives me a little bit more of an edge than, than my okay. opponent's
1: so is there an uh, an incumbent state representative that you're running against or yes. is right now of thomas um, is in the seat he's
2: been there since 1989 Wow. wow!
1: So, so there's no limit on it. No, we no.
2: have no term limits. That's another thing that we should probably work on. Is yeah, yeah term that's term that sounds like a monarchy, but yeah, <laughs> it's crazy, <laughs> it's right? It's yeah. a long time, and they keep electing him over and over and over and over and over again. I don't have any really issues with Curtis Thomas. I think that Curtis Thomas is uh, a great guy. Um, I just think that it. it's time.
1: Yeah, know, for please, a change.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's time for a change. It's time for a fresh face. Um, I think that it's time for new ideas. Um, it's time for new people, and um, I think that the party is ready for that now. And I think, um, I think that uh, he might agree um, at the moment. Um, I'm not sure. I can't necessarily be in his head or speak for him. But I think that there's a feeling in the party that it's time for change, and um, mm-hmm. and so, like I said before, I mean, I think he's a he's a great guy. Um, he's never done anything mean to me. He speaks to me every once in a while. Whenever I call him, he he answers. Um, and so I think that, um, I think I think, think we need a new face and some new ideas.
1: Yeah. So would you be interested to end uh, serving for like 29 or 27 years right now?
2: I that long, don't or? think I would want to serve for that long. I think that I would become stale and stagnant in that seat for uh, probably a little bit complacent. <laughs> Um, in the seat if I served for uh, another 27 years yeah, so um, long time. that's a very long yeah. time <laughs> um, so I think that um, I would want to see a lot of the projects through um, and a lot of the, the ideas through that I have and then you know step aside and let make sure that I mentor somebody um, to take on the mantle and do the work um, and I think that that would be the most effective way to do that Yes, I definitely
1: do. Okay, so uh, one more question. Uh, How important are 18 through 21-year-olds in this specific election to you?
2: Um, It's my goal to engage as many young people as possible, even underneath 18 years old. I think it's good for me to encourage... Start them at an
1: early age, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's gonna
2: be a number of interns on my campaign um, that are going to be teenagers. Um, I like to keep young people around me, um, and I'm doing my best to speak to people as young as possible, Um, people like you. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that they're going to be very important. We have to get them engaged. Um, They have very strong opinions. And I think that one of the advantages that Donald Trump has is, is kind of made you guys see that, wait a minute, we might need to get a little bit involved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Meek Mills has had a little bit of an effect of that, too, right? I mean, because at the end of the day, if you don't like the judgment of that judge, we elect our judges here in the state of Pennsylvania. So yeah. if you don't like that judge, vote her out. I mean, like, that's really simple to do. But a lot of people don't pay attention to it, especially the age of 18 to, you said 18 to. So through 21, 21, early 20s. And I believe
0: judges. That's lifetime, right? No, 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 Beyond no. that. Um, uh, uh, sure the I'm
2: Supreme, Supreme, Supreme Court. I mean, you don't have to have a term limit. Supreme, Supreme Court is what I going to say. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. They do have a term limit.
0: The Supreme Court.
1: Oh, they do?
2: There was an age limit, yeah, not yeah. a term limit. They can't,
1: if they like health factors, I guess. They yeah. give it
2: up. Um, for, I think that uh, we just raised it to, um, and you know, and I might have to check that out, but I think they just raised it to either 65 or 75 um, here in the state of Pennsylvania for the Supreme uh, Court. I believe it's 75. It's 75. They just raised it to 75. Um, they do have age limit, but they don't have term limits. Um, and I think that that's something that's a problem. Um, because like I said I mean do you want some 75 year old um, determining um, the outcomes of somebody 75 year old person was alive yeah. during so it's like the his, civil rights movement yes, you don't think he he might have, have a completely yeah. different yeah. view yeah, yeah. Um, I understand wisdom is important it is very important but um you know it's good to have uh, diversity on the panel like we should maybe have somebody that maybe be older and then somebody that's a little bit younger uh, but we're not going to get that unless we get um, 18 to 20-something-year-olds engaged in city council. There's nobody under the age of 40. Um, wow. That's the problem. There's no millennials. Um, you know, And so the policies that they're creating aren't necessarily informed by younger people. Um, I mean, I'm sure they have panels and advisories and stuff like that, but we need to get somebody that's younger on there. And that's only going to happen when we get younger people engaged. They'll see, like, we need somebody that's going to represent our voice. In those spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, that's why I'm trying to be an openly gay elected official. We only have one LGBTQ person in the state house. We need another. Um, you know, to bring diversity. When you have diversity of thought, diversity in types of people, diversity in experiences, you get better policies because you're not leaving somebody else out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You have a more view of what everyone went through.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, we have a a topic that spans all from politics that recently happened in the news uh, about the H&M, you know, the boy wearing the the hoodie. (laughs) Coolest uh, M word in the jungle. I'm not going to say it because it's like, no, but yeah, uh, Yeah. I have this story. I'm going to read it and I'm going to ask your thoughts on that if Uh, you would like to speak on it. Okay, yeah. Okay, so um, H&M is kicking off 2018 with its own deaf product that went viral Sunday night. Twitter users noticed that the brand's UK site was selling green, a green kids hoodie, stamped with the phrase "coolest monkey in the jungle." That could have been nothing more than a cute garment, except for the fact that the Swedish retailer used a black child to model the sweatshirt. So, uh, how do you feel about uh, that situation, and um, where you stop buying H&M shirts from and stop supporting them? You know, they do make nice shirts, though. So. <laughs> I will say
2: this: H&M should have known better. Yeah, they should have known. The whole the team, team.
3: I said, like, far as marketing, they should have did it a lot better. But the mom even addressed it and said like she
2: had no issue with it. That's the other thing. What is going on
1: with the mother? <laughs> she, I, I guess, the paycheck was good, but she said yeah. like, she's like get um, over it.
3: I mean, yeah. but like everybody has views on things. I mean, it's probably because like I was just saying before you came, the time being Trump as president, like everybody's just going to take simple things like that.
2: I don't think it was really that simple. It, it conveys a message. Um, it, being called a monkey is something that people have used to diminish African-American. The king of the youth right now. Every mm-hmm. little,
1: you know, the you know smoke, Lil Yachty?
2: Don't, don't know Lil Yachty. You
3: uh, should tune in sometimes. Or, uh, uh, he basically, like, he doesn't rap, he don't smoke, doesn't drink. He's like the rug rap rapper right now. So as far as the kids, they love him. And Loyati was, like, about to go. He just did a uh, collaboration with Urban Outfitters and had an up-and-coming collaboration with... Nautica. H&M. It? No, it was the, um, Urban Outfitters was Nautica. Oh, okay. And with the H&M one, he had one coming up. After that, he pulled from that. Like, he said, like, as of this, like, right now, mm-hmm. this isn't a good time to be doing stuff like that. And, like, either way, to put the marketing way, y'all yeah, went with it. We're using a black kid. I'm pretty sure y'all gave it to, like, seven other kids. Y'all gave
1: it shirts like, like, seven ages, kids. He just used his. It's cool though. Yeah,
2: yeah. I um, it was just very ill informed and very insensitive to the history uh, that we have in this country, and I think that um, the company should have known better. Not only the company, but the parent should have known better. Um, and so, yeah, that's that, that's my opinion on that. Um,
1: yeah, that also ties back with uh, diversity in the workplace as well. Yes, there wasn't any, most likely weren't any minorities to say that's wrong. Or like to you know say not to put that photo out because it had to go through I guess editors and they looked at it didn't say anything and just put it on the, on the internet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now they're facing the uh, the, backlash. the backlash of the, the internet's mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. Twitter um, holds nothing back for your emotions so uh, what else we have okay so yeah um how do you like live your life outside of politics what do you do for fun. You know, on a day-to-day or weekend, I guess. Uh,
2: that's a really good question. Um, I've not been yeah, asked that. We want to yet. know. Yeah. Um, I'm a nerd. I am such a nerd. Um, yeah, me too. And it's a good thing. Um, I appreciate that fact. But I like to watch TV shows. Um, my favorite TV show is Shameless. Sure. I love how. Well, I love House of Cards. Unfortunately. Species. Um, uh, yeah, 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 I to yeah I'm to <laughs> say. Unfortunately with that, I love. Um, I like to watch documentaries and movies. Um, uh, I do read a lot of articles and stuff like that. Um, I love to follow politics. I mm-hmm. mean, it, right now, it's very entertaining. The reality show called The White House um, that uh, stars um, Donald Trump is um, <laughs> very cool to watch.
1: I thought it was an actual show. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tune yeah. in.
2: Uh, okay. What else? I love to. I love to do cool things. I like to go to the movies. I love walking out by water. Um, one of my favorite pastimes to do is actually going down by the school Gulp behind uh-huh. the Art Museum and walking down the path. Um, I do that a lot with my friends, especially in the springtime and in the mm-hmm. summer. Um, I love restaurants. Um, Philadelphia has a really great restaurant yeah. scene. I restaurant rest week this
3: month. Food. I'm a restaurant want too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, I love to travel. Um, I went to school in Washington, D.C., so I like to travel there um, and stuff like that. I um, have a really good friend down there uh, that I've been going to see. My godson is also in in Washington, D.C., so um, those are the things that I, you know, do. Um, I'm a simple guy. Um, I'm not extra, but bar- I love to travel, though. Like, it, um, I'm quick to go to somewhere. It expands your horizon. And,
3: and, and I just I tell everybody that, like, traveling like you can go through a bad day in Philadelphia like we live in Philadelphia so we go through a bad day in Philadelphia it's not much to travel so like you can go to like you said DC for a day it's a whole new environment Mm -hmm. you don't know nobody in DC so like the moment you step out of your comfort zone it's a whole new environment you're not worrying about what's going on about the next bill you're just worrying about the birds that's going by Mm -hmm. and it's not a SEPTA bus; they got a um, metropolitan bus instead. Like you pay attention to different stuff when
2: you're outside of your comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. I love music too. I'm a former musician. Um, I love to go to clubs and hear live music. Live music is amazing. That's why I love Empire. Um, but yeah, live music is amazing. I just actually one of my friends invited me to go to a show. Um, it was like a, a kind of like was like a showcase of artists, and I mean, it took me back to a time when I was at Howard. And we will watch live performances and you're yelling, like, sing, you know, play, you know, you know, acting crazy and stuff. Like, I, I mean, I love music. Um, and so that's another one of my favorite pastimes. So you get me in front of a piano, and I'm just <laughs> playing on the keys again, or singing, or just being around people who are musicians is awesome. And I mean, I have a lot of friends that are in the music industry now, um, having gone and being a music student. Howard um, pushed out a lot of great talent. Um, and so like one of my friends sings background for Bilal and to see him when he comes to Philadelphia he's like Yo, I got some tickets for you coming and see Bilal and I mean just uh, yeah I-, I love music that's another thing that I love to do in my favorite yeah. pastime. Doing my
1: pastime. All right, okay, so can you give us one last closing statement as why we should vote for you as the next state representative? You should vote for me because
2: I have solutions and that I'm not going to go out here and start and saying the promises. same old, making the same old promises, mm-hmm. tired, saying the same old tired phrases. But I'm going to talk about the nuances of what pe- people are going through and come up with real solutions on how to help people day to day. I think that I'm uniquely suited for this position and I think that I would do an amazing job and I am a great listener and I know how to, uh, to, to to just engage people who are different from me and I think that's an amazing quality that I have. Um, you can go to my website, it's uh, unitedwithalex.com. You can follow me on Instagram, it's deering underscore Alex. Uh, find me on um, Facebook i um, Alex Deering you can find me on Twitter um, oh I'm sorry Instagram is uh, Jason the I mean that's my Instagram my Twitter I'm to find it now Deering underscore uh, Alex um, wow so many of these things um, but you can find me on all these modes and <laughs> it, these spaces um, are those at unitedwithalex.com is the email
1: are those platforms important to you to um, like finding new voters or you know promoting your agenda yeah I mean I think a lot of that people new, find out new about each? me through
2: social media yeah. um, it's 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 odd I mean I get a lot of people hit me up and say you know thank you so much for doing what you're doing or you know how can I help or you know can I donate to your campaign they'll find me through social media uh, it, It's it's crazy social media is an amazing tool to use yeah. Um, there's so many social media platforms, it's hard to keep up with all of them. When I get the influx of interns, um, the high school students, I'm going to allow them to create yeah, be the different um, platforms. Because I know we have Snapchat, um, mm-hmm. I haven't quite gotten into. I tried it, but I haven't quite gotten into Snapchat yet. And you have, um, you have uh, Marco Polo, you have... Um, so many different other platforms and so I'm trying to be on all those platforms and manage them is a lot because you get a lot of different messages from yeah. different types of people who do different types of things um, but yeah that was a whole lot but yeah you can find me on those platforms and um, please reach out to me, talk to me um, give yeah. me ideas, let me know what you think um, that's really important to me it influences the way I do stuff uh, when you talk to me I mean, you guys brought up stuff that um, that I hadn't thought about yet and so it was good so, we should like
1: pat ourselves on the back. Too but, sure. uh, so yeah, when can we go out and vote? Like, what day will it be? What month? May
2: 15th is the primary.
0: Mm-hmm. So May 15th. The election is on May 15th. Um, yeah, I'll go be going out, out and
1: voting. Yeah.
0: I'm yeah, just, just to tell y'all, you, you also, do y'all you know you got voting district? Because you, you and I know one time I tried to vote, um, and then I you only oh, yeah. vote and get district, basically. I think yeah, my yeah. I
1: think this is Cobb's Creek right now. I will have to go to the library or like a school yeah, around. Just, something so probably, know yeah. So you, go on and and yeah. you can go to committee yeah, or of or seventy. Yeah,
2: they have a, a, a space where it tells you where your polling place mm-hmm. is.
1: Yeah, that's what they do. Or
2: um, you can go online. I forgot the exact website, but um, Pennsylvania has the ability. You have the ability to register online, and on that same site, you can actually uh, figure out where your polling station is and yeah. see where you're registered. Um, so, I mean, make sure you are registered to vote because it's really important Mm -hmm. and registered to vote where you are. Um, so, I mean, if you're in college, um, and you want to vote while you're there, you know, you're going to be in school. I'll be home by then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, May 15th, you will be home. During presidential elections, they usually move them up, the primaries. So in nine and you'll probably be in school, Mm -hmm. but, um, you definitely want to influence the elections at home. Um, so make sure you're registered to vote, and you have to be registered to vote a month before. And prior, okay. Yeah. Um, so make sure you get that done early. Um, so And get as many people around you registered to vote. Tell them, um, because it's important to vote. Um, so yeah.
1: Yeah, I'll try to get some friends to go out and vote for Mr. Alex Daring, you know, bring change to the community.
3: North Philadelphia. Yeah, I agree with that, yeah. because like, you come with a whole different approach, and... You actually told us what you were coming with, like, not just dreams and just filling us in our head, like, people will be able to hear this and say well what they like and what they dislike and come to you instead of just tweeting to you. Yeah. They can run into you because you're actually in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I appreciate that you came here to, like, a small podcast, we're not, like, a big radio station, yeah. you know, came to, the, like, the people. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not saying we're the people, but... We're the people. So Yeah. <laughs> I
2: appreciate you guys calling me. I was I was I was um I was I was very humbled and I was I was fired. It was like, Yeah, um, I mean yeah, absolutely. Where, where you at? And you and so it's just like, Yeah, yeah. And we got people are doing stuff I'm all for it. You gotta you gotta uh, validate that and, and and promote it. I mean, because you guys are doing something that a lot of young people aren't doing. And so yeah.
1: All right, you and any other
2: time, y'all want me to come back, let me know. I mean, after
1: the election, I guess. Yeah, uh, I'd definitely
2: be here. Reach out to me. Y'all know how to contact me. Um, So, yeah. I was
1: trying to find your Instagram. I forgot it. Uh, um, so it Jason. Alex Jason. Alex V. Jason. Alex V. Jason. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, go out and vote yep. May 15th, uh, registered uh, a, prior, a month prior, so you won't have any issues in line. You don't want to start any um, issues. Um, you know, uh, thanks to my uh, fill-in co-host today. You want to reintroduce yourselves again? Give a little uh, exiting speech
3: while I do this. Um, I'm Harry Knox. Um, I enjoyed my co-host time
0: <laughs> at Pi and Chill I'm Tyrone Newbert. Funny, funny Ty. I enjoyed
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a good experience. But yeah, it was a nice episode. Thank you for coming through. Um, hopefully our viewers go out and vote uh, May 15th. It's an hour 30-minute uh, episode. That's really long. Uh, I think we can end it now. All good? Yeah. Nothing else to say? All right. Thank you.
0: All right. Ooh. Hey, so we just want to thank you guys for you know, sticking around listening this foolishness we like to call the podcasting show show.
3: And remember to rate and review this episode. Let us know what you think. You know, I'm not You won't like it. We don't really give a check you back next Friday for a brand new episode. But in the meantime, listen to the previous episodes available now, online. Look for all serious from all serious